0: So, I am of the age that I grew up on Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers. The Bozo Show, too, but that's another story. Do you remember the Bozo Show with the pales? Okay, I'm not alone. Great. Yeah, WGN, great. Anyway, I grew up on uh, Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers, too. And a couple of years ago, when I heard that there was this movie coming out, uh, what was it called? It was the Mr. Rogers movie um, The Neighborhood. How's the song go? Anybody know the Mr. Rogers song? Neighbor, yeah, who are the people in your neighborhood? Yeah, so it was called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and as I thought, there's a movie coming out about Mr. Rogers. How do you cast that? That'd be challenging, wouldn't it? Because you've got to find somebody who's, who kind of looks like him. That always helps. But you also need somebody who kind of has a character like Mr. Rogers, and Hollywood isn't just full of those people. And I, I was thinking, you know, you, you can't cast anybody so, like, like Johnny Depp, for example, has wide range as an actor, but I just wouldn't be able to buy him as Mister Rogers. And so when I heard it was Tom Hanks, I'm like, well, of course, Tom Hanks, right? Because Tom Hanks, we in a celebrity culture, we think we know who people are, right? Like I, I think I might be best friends with certain uh, celebrities. Maybe you, you know, you think like if I ever met that person, we'd just hit it off. I just know we would. Um, I won't name the people in my life, but there are people. Anyway, as As I learned about Tom Hanks a little bit uh, after I heard that he'd gotten this part, there was an article in the New York Times. It actually came out March of last year. And the author was disappointed in interviewing Tom Hanks to find out he is who you think he is. Because she was hoping to, like, get an angle that you've never heard before, that you'd be interested in reading. And so the story became, what's interesting is he actually is who you think he is. And she gave a couple examples. She said, you know, there was once when he was filming a scene in Rome for one of the Da Vinci Code movies. And as they were filming, they take up a lot of space in those tiny, cramped Roman corridors, you know. And they were actually blocking a chapel that's near the Pantheon. And so as they're filming this scene, Tom Hanks, as he's trying to, you know, act, work, all that, he notices there's a commotion among the bystanders who are watching this scene happen. And the commotion is happening because there's a bride dressed in white and her dad in a tux, and they're trying to get to the chapel, but, they're, but are blocked. And so Tom Hanks stops everything, and he escorts these two people to where they're trying to go. And everybody, of course, is applauding, like, what a, what a great guy, you know? Tom Hanks, such a nice guy. Or there's another story. He goes up to a Girl Scout table, because apparently he does his own shopping, and as he's getting a few boxes of Girl Scout cookies and throws in an extra $20 bill, he then stays for a little bit to take selfies with anybody else who will come and get a box of cookies. He stays for like a half hour taking selfies with all these strangers. He's kind. He's generous. It's just who he is. It's what people expect of him, and it's what he does. And I tell those stories because that celebrity culture that we have and thinking we know people, I think it gives us an open window into how everybody's perceiving Jesus as he approaches the city gates They think they know him because of how public his ministry has been. By Mark chapter 11, there's been a very public preaching tour through Galilee. Jesus has fed 5,000 and then 3,000 a separate time. He's done very public healings. He's been very public. And so when the public see him arrive at the gates of Jerusalem, they're pretty excited (laughs) because they think they know this guy, just like if Tom Hanks walked in today, we'd be like, oh, this guy, cool. Cool. We know he's kind, he's generous. Well, they know about Jesus, he's like a a prophet, kind of like a king. He's kind of like a general. He's even riding on a colt on his way to the gates of Jerusalem, which is something like a general, like a victorious general would do. And so they think they know, you know, maybe as he, not only are we excited to see this kind of celebrity among us, but we think we're here for a really special moment in this person's ministry and life. Maybe as he approaches the gates, he's going to have like angels accompany him. Maybe he's going to be wielding a sword at his side and take out whatever God wants to take out. Like these are the things they're excited about as Jesus approaches the gates because he has this reputation, because they feel like they know him. And so they're just. They're really excited to the point where they've cut a lot of palm fronds and plants and anything they can find to to lay before him as, in, in the path before him as he goes up to the gates. They're taking their cloaks off for his colt to tread on as they make their way. And everybody gets in like a parade formation. Every time we sing all glory, laud, and honor, and this is the second year in a row we haven't gotten to parade around, but, you know, that's that's the parade song for the church, right? Because it's Palm Sunday, and we remember this journey Jesus makes with all these people before him and behind him. And what are they shouting? Hosanna! Hosanna! Rescue us! Save us! That's what they're shouting because that's what they're expecting. That's who they know Jesus to be. He's one who saves people. He's one who rescues people. I wonder if I was like a man on the street reporter And I went up to some of these people that are in these crowds shouting Hosanna from a very deep place. I wonder what they'd say if I asked them, what's making you shout Hosanna today? You know, where's that coming from? What are you hoping for today? What do you need rescue from? I bet I'd hear some things that are very personal. I'd probably also hear some things that are very community-oriented probably hear some things that are national concerns. I probably, I probably would hear all of those things. You know, maybe, maybe they'd say, well, I've got this incurable disease, and so I'm saying hosanna. Or maybe they'd say, I've got this grief that no words can touch, and so I'm shouting hosanna. Or maybe they're so tired of the occupying power in their land, and so I'm shouting Hosanna. The good Palm Sunday question for you is, what if you were in that crowd? We'd all be caught up in it too. What would drive you to shout Hosanna? Where would that deep place be coming from for you? Well, anyway, the next thing Mark tells us is that after painting this scene and after kind of hearing what it would sound like through Mark's words, the next thing Mark wants to tell us is that Jesus makes his way into the temple. And this is a moment. I think we undersell this moment from, from the Gospel of Mark. Jesus walking into the temple. And it says he goes into the temple and, temple and parablepos. Isn't that a great Greek word? Parablepo. It means he looked around. And when I, when I read that in English, I think... Kind of like I, I did when I first got to the Air and Space Museum near Washington, D.C. And I go in and, you know, you just take it all in. It's these huge rooms with these very famous uh, things that have been in flight. Maybe some of you have been there and, and you just kind of look around at everything. I mean, Jesus is 14 generations, according to Matthew now. I'm outside of Mark's gospel, now I'm in Matthew's. But 14 generations from the exile, which was 14 generations from King David. And so 28 generations ago, remember Jesus is a direct descendant of King David, and 28 generations ago, David, his son, so 27 generations, Solomon, had built this temple Jesus is standing in. He built this temple to house the Lord. So you've got a direct descendant of David, Jesus, and the Son of God, Jesus, standing in this temple built for the Lord. It's kind of a wrap your mind around kind of moment, you know? And as he looks around, he would literally have seen well, people selling things to be sacrificed on the altar. We know that cuz not not long after the story we heard for our gospel today, Jesus is about to get upset and overturn the tables. He would have seen those animals and the people selling them. He would have seen Pharisees and scribes who were frowning at him. They weren't as excited nearly as the people outside who were shouting, Hosanna, save us, rescue us. But I don't think Mark is trying to get us to literally imagine what Jesus is literally seeing in the temple. Because Mark uses this word parablepo. It's still a fun word, right? He uses that word again, or for the first time, in chapter 3. And I think it helps us understand what Mark means by this word, look around. In chapter 3, Jesus is in a synagogue, so similar context, not in the temple, but a synagogue. There are Pharisees and scribes there too, it's a Sabbath day, and they know about this Jesus, they expect, you know, just like we'd expect Tom Hanks to be generous and kind, those Pharisees and scribes, they're expecting Jesus to do Jesus stuff like healing, And you're not supposed to do anything on a Sabbath day. You're supposed to just do nothing. And so Jesus, knowing that that's what they want to do, they want to accuse him. There's this man with a withered hand. And so you see the whole thing is set up for Jesus to like get caught and get in trouble. So Jesus says before he does anything, he simply puts it out there. Is it lawful for a person to do harm or to do evil on the Sabbath? To save life... Or kill it. And everyone is just silenced. And so that's when Jesus heals this man with the withered hand. And then Jesus parablepos. He looks around at everyone with anger, Mark says. Grieved at their hardness of heart. That's what a parablepo look around looks like. It's more of a hmm feeling angry and grieved and that's the kind of parablepo that Jesus has in the temple as he's just gone through hosanna hosanna and now he's in the temple looking around at everything with anger grieved seeing spiritual blindness hardness of heart he's seeing the painful results of empire So many who have, but so many more who have not. He sees all that. What would we see if we parablepoed right now? That's another Palm Sunday question. As much as we imagine Palm Sunday to be this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, it is also this moment, Jesus looking around and seeing hardness of heart, feeling grieved about it. That's our opportunity this week as we enter into a holy week. We get to parablepo our lives, parablepo our world, and see spiritual blindness, hardness of heart, maybe in ourselves, maybe in others, and also see the painful results of empire where so many have but so many more have not. Sometimes we might wonder if Holy Week if this whole story is just for me. You know like this this whole religion is just for me to feel comforted for me to feel hope so that my eternal life is secure. I invite you this Palm Sunday as we enter into Holy Week. I invite you to remember the first words Jesus says in the Gospel of Mark. It's kind of a thesis statement for the whole gospel. The time is fulfilled, Jesus says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. That thesis statement tells us this gospel, this good news story that we're about to hear in the gospel of Mark that we're now in the 11th chapter of this isn't just about Jason. This isn't just about any one of us. The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near. It's for everything. It's a, it's a cosmic response from God to all broken things, to all spiritual blindness, hardness of heart, and those painful results of empire that make haves and have-nots, us and others. All that stuff, that's what Jesus has come for. That's what rescue us and save us is for. It's not just about me, but it's about all. And so, as we parablepo, we might be able to see with eyes like Jesus has. And as we look around, we might see that every false kingdom, every false power on earth is exposed for what it is, empty and limited. Look around, parablepo today, and see the emptiness of greed. Greed. See how small our jealousies make us, how limited diseases really are. Even though they they kill us, Jesus has overcome that death. See how untrue skin color or sexual orientation are at defining us as the real defining factor is that we are children of God political parties, prosperity gospel preachers, marketing wizards, opinion news liars, they and so much more are what Jesus sees when he parablepos. But he knows that the time is fulfilled. He knows that the kingdom of God has come near. And so he knows woe to all that is empty, to all that is limited or dying. Because life and love personified has come to town. And not even death, a death we'll remember together on Friday, not even death is going to be able to keep this good news from being known to us and to so many more, forevermore. Thanks be to God. Amen.